everybody. Welcome to the Unraveled Podcast. I'm Crystal. Normally, when I do my little rants here, um, I'm always trying to give like a tip or a trick or a hack or something. And I think part of that is just my own neuroses that I feel like, what's the point of hearing my voice or speaking unless I've got something to give to you? Um, today, though, is a little bit different. Um, my gift... <laughs> if it's so lofty as to say that it is, is uh, just to kind of talk about my own struggle and something that I still haven't resolved um, that I'm still unraveling or trying to unravel to understand how to deal with it. Um, and the reason I thought about talking about it was just because I think sometimes um, I'm so busy, I don't know, trying to help other people through their stuff that uh, it can come off seeming like um, I have everything together and I don't think anybody that really knows me thinks that I have everything together, but I always like to remind people that I don't. And so today is going to be one of those days where I'm going to fall on the knife and sword of humility and uh, kind of explain a little bit of what I'm going through. So um, when I was like 14, I ran away from home. Um, and I say like 14 because I can't remember if I had turned 15 at that time. And the whole reason I ran away from home, and I think I've probably alluded to it here before, was um, an issue with my dad. So my parents got divorced when I was around fifth grade, summer fifth grade, I think. I could have that wrong. Maybe it was fourth grade. Um, the years blur together when you're as old as I am. And um, when they got divorced, my dad had primary custody. And my dad and I were like two peas in a pod. We were pretty inseparable. Um, I really enjoyed my time with him. Um, and, and not only because I enjoyed my time with him, but also because me and my sister at the time did not get along at all. And she was like the spinning image of my mother. And I think for a lot of reasons that created issues with my dad and her. And it also created issues of with myself and her, not the physical manifestations um, of you know, basic genetic likeness, but more that just they had a lot in common. So um, it just created an environment where, uh, you know, I felt kind of aligned with my father and my sister was a lot more aligned with my mom. And um, I don't know, maybe I used that, you know, looking back and psychoanalyzing myself, maybe I used that as a way to um, more readily bond, bond with my father. I don't know. That's probably very true. Um so anyway, my dad and I, after their divorce, were very close. Um, and then, as would be expected, you know, he found love again. Um, but when he found love again, I was still in a very, um, you know, I was a teen. I was a preteen, to be honest. And if you know anything about teens' brains, um, and I guess we could talk about this a little bit, teens' brains are interesting because um, they, they basically are rewiring themselves. So you get this great awesomeness of being a teen, um, trying to navigate your identity but you're also your brain is going through a whole awesome redevelopment or re kind of connection thing dan siegel great guy neuroscientist guy you could go look him up he's got a lot to say about it um and i'm really dumbing it down but for all intent and purpose their brains are really hypersensitive right a teen's brain is hypersensitive if you have teens in the house if you ever were a teen you know that this is true um that everything feels just more profound everything is bigger and and just, you know, like what would normally be a, 
a, a slight scratch feels like a gouging wound. That's what a teen's brain does in regards to emotional um, intelligence and emotional sensitivity. So I'm in that stage and I've been aligned with my dad and it's kind of created my identity um, for a really long time, for a couple years. And um, then, you know, it so happens that he finds love. And, and then when I say, hey, dad, let's go to the movies he and go see this, he goes, well, let's go see what, you know, my new partner wants to see. He didn't say my new partner, but for the purposes of trying to create some sort of anonymity, I've decided not to share their names. But anyway, um, and that really hurt me. Um, and I felt that very deeply. Now, there are, we could... I don't know. We could digest this all day long. We could really just sift this apart. I mean, I know that there's a lot of culpability on my side and there's a lot of growing that my dad was doing at the time. And, you know, he has, I am his daughter. And so um, as much as I feel, you know, this need for connection, he feels the same thing. And so he needed that connection and he found it, you know, and a daughter is not a replacement for a partner. And so obviously he gravitated towards finding this real connection but I had a real issue with that simply because I didn't understand it and I still needed that connection and so where do I go when I need that connection so um, I started as any teen girl does when they're faced with this similar dilemma um, dating and that didn't go over well because obviously the people that I was choosing um, were not exactly the healthiest individuals why is that obvious well it's obvious just because if you've heard my story at all throughout this podcast, you know that I think a little bit differently and, um, you know, I, I process things differently and we didn't do a really good job of emotional regulation in my household as a child. Um, so, you know, I find people that were not necessarily the most emotionally regulated. That caused problems, obviously, with my father who didn't understand what I was going through and I couldn't explain it. I mean, I, the only way I know how to say this, to use really like, I don't know, kiddie terms, is I had really, really big emotions. Really big. And I couldn't contain those emotions. It felt like they were pouring out of me all the time. And when I do my parenting classes, I try to help people understand that if your child, if your toddler is having a tantrum, it's a big emotion, right? They're, they're having an emotion that spills outside of them. And your job as a parent is to help them regulate that emotion, is to bring calm, calmness to that emotion, to help them regulate. They don't know, how, you don't come out of the womb knowing how to handle big emotions. You need somebody to guide you through that process. And part of that guidance is being sitting, sitting alongside of your child and being that calm sense for them while they're going through their big emotions so that they can spill all of their extra stuff onto you who, can, who should be able to take it and help you know help support them so that they can grow their I don't know their emotional truck <laughs> to be bigger right like when you get born and your emotional capabilities are like the size of a gnat or like you know a little a little match car and then so you want to continue to grow that until you've got like you know the big old honking tank um, in your heart or brain or wherever it is that emotions come from. But I didn't have that. We didn't we didn't have that emotional regulation when I was growing. My match my emotional capability of handling complex emotions was still like at a matchbox car. Um, I would say that's probably I'm not doing myself much justice, but let's just say that it was small. It wasn't the size. And then on top of that, I had, you know, the teen brain. So one night my dad and I get in this huge fight and I'm telling him all of these feelings. 
you know, and I'm tapping into these feelings. And I'm, I'm very sensitive about sharing my feelings because oddly enough, um, I'm always taking on other people's feelings. I've been like that since I was a kid. So sharing my feelings, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a stop moment. Like if, if, if I'm sharing my feelings and somebody isn't responding with a sense of, wow, this is kind of important then, you know, I think this, you know, now as I sit here and I talk about it, it harkens back to that moment. I'm sharing my feelings. I'm having this moment. And my version of remembrance is that my dad is sitting there and he just says, look, this is why I can't talk to you because whenever we start really getting down to the nitty gritty, you just kind of cry and, and can't have a, you know, you just have kind of a blubbering conversation. Now, blubbering, he didn't use that word. I'm pretty sure he didn't. But my memory of that evening is pretty is pretty flawed because it was very emotionally heated. And so that's kind of my version of it. I'm sure if I got my dad on here, you know, now he would probably say it was a little bit different if his memory of it. But that's where it was for me. And I remember feeling so hurt because here I am kind of pouring this emotion. Right. I have nowhere else to pour it. It It's exploding out of me and I need a container another container to pour it into because otherwise it just keeps cr- you know when I was a kid I was on the beach and I went out into the waves and I got into this kind of undertow situation and I was a wave hit me and I got pushed down under the water and then every time I would get up the wave would cut co- another wave would come and smack me and push me back down I could barely catch my breath I, th- I thought then I was going to die I remember that moment like I thought I was going to die and my, you know, when I finally got the the wave pushed me onto shore, um, and I finally got out of this kind of, you know, just uh, uh, repeated getting pushed back down, you know, I look up and, you know, <laughs> sadly at that point, I don't think either of my parents, if both of them were there, I don't recall, but nobody seemed to recognize that I was almost dead. Um, so that probably has something to do with my attention situations. But so anyway. So that's how it felt, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm sitting here trying to get out of this beach, out of this undertow, out of this consistent, these waves crashing down. But in order for that to happen, somebody has to take that, either has to grab me and pull me to safety, or you just hope that the waves kind of push you on the shore like I did, or you just drown. And I needed somebody to, to, to grab some of that water. And he was, he was unable at that moment to do so, or at least the words that he said felt like he couldn't. And so I drowned in my emotions and I made a pact that because I couldn't drown, I had to escape, right? My fight or flight, sin- my fight or flight um, system was just like, it was just yelling at me that I'm in danger. Well, of course it felt like I was in danger because I'm sitting here with all of these emotions that a teen in and of themselves probably, even in the best case scenario, would have difficulty navigating. But when you don't have a system built that allows for something to help you navigate those big emotions and you feel like you're drowning, of course your fight or flight uh, system is going to go off and mine did. And so I decided to go and I ran away. And, you know, the, what happened after that is another tale for another day, but I was gone for a long time and I lived in a closet and it was a whole really interesting scenario. And, you know, again, I, I've said this before, my dad and I now have a lovely relationship and I love my father very much. Um, I recognize now, or I tell you these stories now, and I think about these stories now, not to try to put blame, but because it impacts so much of who I am today. And so what does this mean for me today, right? Well, what this means for me today is I have huge problems with emotional um, outpouring. Now, I have since then, after all of this time, learned to regulate my emotions very well, I think. Anyway, I've 
this is what I do for a living, right? I mean, I help other people regulate their emotions. I do, I think, a pretty good job. But every now and again, that wave feeling comes back, right? The, the, the emotion is too big. And that emotion tends to come up most often when I'm feeling alone and lonely because I feel, I think I, think I go back to that same 14-year-old girl standing in that bedroom just overwhelmed and just hurt and saddened and and throwing it all out there and kind of this Hail Mary last effort to please ask for help and not getting it. And so I go back to feeling overwhelmed and I and I get I you know pushed back to you know my adult self and my teenage self are both living there dealing with this emotion at one time and they're they're screaming on the insides that there's a fight or flight some um situation and I need to get out. And sometimes that still happens. And it doesn't always happen in in times, obviously, where it's necessary or that it's actually valid. It, it you know, it's uh, to use a very overused word nowadays that brings up a lot of connotation, um, but don't doesn't necessarily mean what people think it means. But it's it's triggered, right? I, I get triggered by a, a situation that feels or harkens back to that moment, and um, and then I'm left, you know, in a situation that is different. But that my my teenager part of myself is still there going, oh, though this is very similar. You need to you need to be scared. You need to be um, upset. You need to be sad. This is overwhelming. You need to go. So that has created problems um, throughout my adult life as or and even as my young adult life um, in relationships. And what why? Well, that because I would have these emotions and I would turn to my partner and I would say, I can't deal with this emotion and in every single situation, because I continued to date unhealthy people, by the way, um, which didn't help, they were they would throw their hands up and go, I can't deal with this. This is too much. Like you or you're on your own, you're a crazy person. Like I can't. This is just you're just nuts. You're you know, you deal with this. This is your problem. Which only reinforced the same idea, right? I mean, this is me reliving this moment for decades, right? Like my dad does it in that one moment. Um, or again, that's my version of remembering it. Um, and then I continue to go through this. I would go, I would, I would, I would get to the point where I would just bleed over. Like I couldn't take any more. My emotions spilled over and I would reach out for assistance, help get me out of this. And they would basically say, no, I'm sorry. You know, this is your problem. Figure it out. And that always, that made me feel so many things. They made me feel insecure. It made me feel sad. It made me feel like I was flawed, uh, f to be fair, I felt like I was unlovable and flawed because I apparently have these emotions that that are just completely obscenely different than everybody else. They're just different. And not only that, but they're not they make me unlovable because I continually, you know, when I finally share them with somebody, they 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 look and they, they just kind of are appalled that I'm having this emotion. And, you know, it's in part because the emotion at the time that I show it is so big but also in part because, you know, they're all at the, you know, not calling my father unhealthy now, but at the time, he, you know, he, he was learning too. And, and all of the people that I dated for a very long time were very unhealthy individuals. They just could not, they couldn't handle their own emotions, let alone someone else's. So fast forward to now, and I'm in a healthy relationship with a healthy human being. And I remember the first time I had one of these moments where my emotions were so big, the waves were so big, and I poured it over and I cringed waiting for the same pushback that I always got for all of those years and it didn't come. 
the the smiling face on the other side was just kind of like, all right, you know, like this is a thing. Like we'll deal with this. We'll get through this. And I didn't understand. That, I mean, my brain, it was so jarring. I still remember it to this day. It was so jarring that like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know how to to deal with that. I didn't know how to kind of wrap my head around that. This idea that somebody was, was going to reach into the waves and pull me out, right? Rather than just sit there and watch me drown or hope, you know, hope that I just stand for the shore and say, well, just use your legs. Like, why can't you just get out of the water? Um, they they actually stood there with me or, or, you know, in his case, he just, you know, basically walked into the water with me. Now he was going to drown with me or at least that was a helpful, fe- it wasn't going to, but that's kind of what it felt like. And it was a, a very comforting feeling. And, and I tell you that to tell you two things. One, which is a healthy relationship. If you're having large emotions um, against a healthy person uh, or with a healthy person, a healthy person knows how to take on those feelings. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, right? There are sometimes when he gets overwhelmed. And this, I would say it's the same as when um, I'm a parent, right? Sometimes my child has very large emotions that that set me off in a way that like I it just it's, it's hard for me to contain my calmness I, I don't do it very well but I do try very much um, for the most part to remind my my children that I am there for them even when they're having their big emotions like listen you have your big emotions and I'm gonna have my reaction to it because it's you know you don't get your big emotions don't allow you to you know treat other people like crap but I'm still here in the water with you and I'm still gonna give you a hand and I'm still gonna try to help get you onto the shore safely because you know a drowning child is not something I want to see and a drowning person is not somebody I want to be um but it's a two-part situation right my child doesn't have the ability to go to therapy and do a lot of um internal review they're too young at this point so my job is to try to give them that feedback but in a in a, an adult situation you do have a responsibility and an ability to do self-reflection um, to do some seeking, to do some understanding, to do some therapy, whatever it is that you have to do. And, and w- one of the problems that I come up in when I do couples work is, you know, there's one person that has these, re- I, as much as I adore uh, the ability to, to see where your unhealthy behavior comes from, it does not give you a pass for just being a complete ass, right? So, you know, I, you know, if you're tossing a room or if you're throwing chairs or if you're putting fists through walls or if you're um, screaming and calling somebody names or if you're breaking stuff or if you know like if in me if you just go away if you're one of these people that you're over your big emotions just cause you to just fall off the face of the planet for days or weeks or months or whatever it is that your situation is it's those are unhealthy coping mechanisms and and it's not your partner's responsibility to um solely their responsibility to help you through that right what i mean is is i needed a partner that could help me see that i'm not on uh, you know on this journey alone because that gave me the confidence to know that i wasn't too much for somebody or i'm not unlovable or i'm not inherently flawed that these are normal emotions that people have and it just so happens that i just i didn't I sometimes get overwhelmed by them because I'm still learning emotional regulation, just like a lot of people. I I don't think I'm alone here. But I'm still responsible for consistently working on that. You know, I'm I'm responsible every day to try to figure out, you know, when I have a large emotion now to try to recognize that I'm having it and, like, deal with all of that stuff later. But I can do that because I know that I have a, you know, I, 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 I know that I have somebody that I can depend on 
if I fail at doing it every now and again when I when I do do when I you know get that way. But supportive work is what a partner is supposed to be. A, a partner is supportive. Again, that doesn't mean that you're a kick-all or it doesn't mean that you just allow yourself to be, be abused. abused. Abuse is never okay. But your partner's responsibility is to be supportive when you're having big emotions and you don't know how to deal with them. And your job is to figure out why you're having those big emotions and how to deal with them. And I'm still struggling with that. Uh, you know, right now I'm getting much better on the emotional regulation from a partner perspective, but I still struggle with the kids. Um, and I don't mean both of my children, one of my children in particular, she has a very strong personality and she has very, very big emotions. And sometimes I can't contain her emotions. And so I feel out of control. And so I lose my ability to contain my own emotions. And it becomes kind of this unfortunate prophecy of just waves crashing upon waves crashing upon waves and I'm working to get better at that and how am I working to get better at that well it's a lot of self-reflection it's a lot of you know just reinforcement of self-regulation like even today I had a moment and my partner was like hey listen don't forget your breathing like don't forget your self-regulate you know what I mean and I wanted to be mad I wanted to be angry and I wanted to say no I have every right to be pissed I have every right to be overwhelmed and then I had to remember that I got a kid over here that's completely drowning and it's her behavior is, you know, just a manifestation of that, that drowning feeling. And my job is to help get her onto the shore. And, um, and that's, that's first and foremost, my emotions on, in that regard come later, but parenting and couple them are two different things, but you know, kind of the same, it, it all stems from the same flipping thing. You know, you, you grow up and you end up an adult in a relationship dealing with the same crap you dealt with as a kid. And, and that's kind of what happens. And it just is this horrible little cycle that never breaks unless you're brave and strong enough to figure out how to break it and work towards breaking it. And, you know, that's where I'm at, man. It's I'm trying to break it. Um, that 14-year-old girl still there, still shows up um, sometimes when I'm alone and I'm sad or I'm feeling um, abandoned or I'm just feeling, you know, down. It, she shows up and I'm working with that. And if you have any suggestions or self-regulations that work for you, I would solely, I would totally love to hear them because um, I'm always learning new ones. And I think it's a, they're great to just keep adding to your tool belt. So I hope that was, I don't know, enlightening or if not enlightening then at least interesting enough to keep you not bored out of your mind so i hope you all have a wonderful regulated non-drowning day and thanks for listening bye now <laughs>